Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this post-election version of Raising Expectations. And uh, we're going to have a great show tonight. We do have back with us, as you know, Dr. Jim Robbins from the uh, Institute uh, IWP of World Politics in Washington, D.C., the Dean of Academics, Senior Fellow of National Security Affairs at the American Foreign Policy Council, and a former Special Assistant to the Office of the Secretary of Defense. He really is someone who's going to have some great insight for us later, but we're going to share because he's teaching a class here tonight. And he's going to jump out of that class and straight on the screen to you via TJ pushing the button. So don't worry, he'll be here in just a while. But in the meantime, we're sure glad you're here. The whole team's here tonight. So we can say, uh, hey, Sarah, Sarah, we're all here. It's going to be great. So we're excited to have you. Of course, on the West Coast, we have Dr. Paul Hall, who is a theologue, theologues each week, a specialist in that in the great metropolis of Lompoc, Pope. Longpole, California. There That's you right. go. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. You know what? It's a great place. And we're going to have some more about that coming up for you. You're going to love that. So Dr. <laughs> Paul's going to have some great insight tonight all about Longpole also. So it's going to be good. So if we, <laughs> we go there, we go all the way across the country. This week, we do have somebody. We had fun last week, Steph and Tank. We said all the way to the west side, and there's nobody there because we knew you were on vacation. So when everybody looked, I'm sure. But anyway, they're here tonight. So all the way from from uh, Georgia, right in the, the corner of four states right there, you have before you, first of all, Steph there, CEO, founder of Quenching Well. She's a health and wellness coach, a specialist. She helps people to manage their weight, know what to eat, how to eat, how to take care of their body, which is the temple of God. As she says, she's a wonderful Christian lady, a great uh, wife and mother and uh, leader in all that she says and does. And Steph, we're glad you're back. It's good to see you. And also to her left, or you're right, if you look at the screen, there's your wonderful husband, <laughs> Dr. Tank. There he goes. <laughs> he's still on vacation. But the Tank there, who is a, a trauma surgeon, and he's also uh, a specialist in nutrition also. You name it. There's medical things. He knows so much. He's a walking bag. His new book's going to tell you all about it. It's coming up pretty soon called Save. We're going to be pushing that for you and telling you lots about it. It's coming up. We're excited for it, Tank, and we've seen some of the manuscript. We're excited to be hearing about your book real soon. So that's coming up. So welcome to uh, the Thayers are here, and then we're going to go from there all the way back to the great state of Texas in Central America, the the, uh, the the leg upon which 
the United States rests right there on Texas, as you can see. It balances it out. And one of the key balancers in that state is <laughs> none other than Pastor Ron Greer from McKinney, Texas. How'd I do, Paul? That was good, huh? <laughs> that was really good, yeah. That was good. He huh? balances it out. So anyway... <laughs> Hey, we love Ron. He's one of our favorite pastors in the world, and we're blessed to have him as part of our family. And he works with Men in the Mirror and helps guys to discover who they are. They've come through difficult times or not, whatever it is. He leads them to a working, vital, manly relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means and helps them to understand. And uh, more than that, he's got a wonderful sense of humor that just makes you feel like you've known him all of your life. Like as do everybody on this platform right here. They're a wonderful group of people. So we're glad that you're here tonight. And I'm going to throw out a thought here. This is post-election time. Has anybody anywhere out there heard anything about elections in the last few days? Or <laughs> What do we have? Yeah, have, you, have you heard about it? Yeah, that's right. Probably a lot. In fact, I understand that by the end of January, the final counts will be in on all the voting. So we'll look forward to it. And uh, and if they make it in December, it'll be a lot easier to take because we will have fudge in December. So it'll make it a lot easier in December to take those counts. Right, Steph? So we're good. So uh, when Jim Jim comes in here with us in just a while, he's going to cover all these things for us. He's going to have some great insights. Uh, there's so much, so many things. I've got one question, but I'm going to throw it out to this great group of people whom I love dearly. And just you got a thought or a question about this election. Let's just throw out the thought and what you're chewing on about it, and let's get them out there, and then we'll kick them to Jim when he comes on. Who wants to start? <laughs> Go, Steph. <laughs> okay, I'll start. Um, Good, Steph. Good. Not, not what was expected. I'm very frustrated that the same areas appear to have problems with collecting votes and making things happen. and. Um, there's a pattern here and it stinks. And so that I don't like. Uh, I also thought it was really interesting that I believe this was the second highest time voters under 30 had ever turned out. Um, so that's probably a good thing overall. I mean, I, it's, I don't know that it's great for my conservative values, but, um, I would love to know why the media thought it was going to go one way and it did not. Interesting. Uh huh. Those are my random this? thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Somebody else, let's throw these out and jot them down. Yeah, somebody else. I, like say, I, 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 I was disappointed in the election, but I wasn't surprised. I, I don't, I don't, you know, it just, it didn't surprise me. Um, I think some of the questions I had in my head was, you know, I, I wonder how they're going to kick this one around after it's over. You know, and of course, now we're into finger pointing and stuff like that. My my wife found a really neat little statement today. It says, uh, um, America's Got Talent can count five million votes in an hour, but it takes Arizona uh, five years to count uh the, the votes it's so disappointing from that standpoint you know and uh but i i one of, one of the things i'd like to ask uh, james when he's with us is that in a sense you know how did we miss it so far because his previous visit with us he said it's really going to be a bad night for democrats i thought that was interesting you know when he when he made that statement and here we are two weeks later and it wasn't such a bad, bad night for democrats you know so <laughs> that's a good question yeah. my thoughts 
Well, what not, think, to toot, not to toot my own horn, but I did say <laughs> I have my doubts. Yep. <laughs> uh, you did. Yeah. Needless you to did. say, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in America and American electorate, U.S. electorate. I just mm-hmm. uh, people are. Um, let's say it's gently uh, ignorant of the process, ignorant of how bills are passed and what who does what and what happens doesn't happen. And then they have. We are constantly bombarded with with um, bias and skewed uh, ideas about what is important, what isn't important. And mm-hmm. so politicians tend to, on both sides, sort of play that. Um, we downplay certain issues because we believe it may hurt us, and we upsell issues that are irrelevant. We know that we won't get an emotional response from people. And it's actually a legitimate, when I say legitimate, but an actual practice among people running in office you you want to stir your base but at the same time not give your opposition uh, uh you don't want to energize them right so they end up candidates who talk about issues that people aren't interested in uh mm-hmm. that aren't prior to them and then you have uh the media talks about and plays up issues that um are emotional for folks but not really that important so mm-hmm. I, it's just and that's been going on in this election, I mean, to greater intensity, I've seen in a long time. So, I mean, also on one hand, part of me says Republicans did uh, a pretty good job that night. Uh, if you look at taking out a number of folks in the House, uh, governorships around the country, and also state legislators uh, around the country. And so in that sense, it did pretty good. The problem is uh, places like the Senate, where you need it, uh, you know, a, something like in 2010 with Barack Obama, all of a sudden, they lose. You know, Republicans gain ten Senate seats, uh, kind of almost unprecedented. And you would think, given the economy, given the you know, mm-hmm. everything else going to education and other things, that yeah. you'd have had this had the same response. But my my hesitation is, I don't people I don't I don't see people as being as informed as they were, even ten years ago. They are now mm-hmm. number two. Mm-hmm. We are more partisan now than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's why you can get a, a a Fetterman, a guy who can barely put two sentences together, elected over a a, a an accomplished heart surgeon, and mm-hmm. and people go wait how is that possible? Because you, the parties themselves they don't care about what people think what they want, and they don't care about who's sitting in the seat. Because I think most people don't don't understand and realize the leadership in both house and the Senate controls what happens in the Senate. It doesn't matter who, what you want and who, and who you are. Um, they decide what, what issues are going to be pushed forward and you become a vote for them. Mm-hmm. Now they prefer people who lay down and will vote the way Schumer tells you to. And mm-hmm. same with same on the other side. So Fetterman is a perfect, perfect candidate. He comes in, he, he'll do what he's, to, what he's told to do. And the people working for him will do it for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Diane Feinstein is another one. Diane Feinstein, uh, if you've ever been around her, she's she's suffering from Alzheimer's. But you'll never see that and hear that in the media. She doesn't know who she is half the time or where she is. But yet she's still a member of the Senate and, and got elected again. So, again, all that to say, I don't I don't have a whole lot of confidence in uh, American electorate because we're just too, too uh, ignorant of what needs to take place and what's important, what's not. And we, we're constantly bombarded with information that's irrelevant i was thinking about you ron what you were saying that right then and and you mentioned something last week clicked in on me uh 
they were talking about the fact that conservatives like Stephanie was sharing, I mean, we all have strong, strong beliefs yep. and we're anchored to those beliefs. And like you said a minute ago, they are more tribal. They they go after a personality rather than a problem as long as they know. And, you know, I believe it was Barack Obama who really got this thing going back when he was with uh, against the naval commander there. Um, help me. You know, he was running for president. Oh, John, John McCain. Thank you, John McCain. Thank you very much. And when he and it was that group that were already moving votes around back then. He brought it up then, and we all thought, "Well, that's impossible." But I think, as I look at this thing, I think conservatives are are a little bit stubborn. I think sometimes we know what we're saying really is correct, and we've sat back as Judeo Christians so often and always taken the loving approach. We don't come out of the stall. We're like the horse race. The other horse is halfway around the track before we come out of the container. And I was thinking the big key thing that Obama did, what do you guys think about this? What do you all think about this? I think the big thing he did was this early voting. And I don't know about you guys, but this early voting, by the time Fetterman even started, he had, what, 200,000 votes that were already there before he even began to go on. And this early voting thing that Obama got revved up, we all didn't think much about it. I found myself sticking to the guns, guys. I was saying... I like America where you get up in the morning, you go on vote that day, you label your vote, and by that night, you know who won. That, to me, is America. But you know what? We're playing like a football team. They're bringing their team up to the line of scrimmage, and they're passing, running, kicking field goals. They have a varied offense. We don't do anything. We're just going to run. We're going to run. We're not doing anything else. We're going to run because we're going to do it that day. So we had 5 million extra GOP voters this time. And it didn't mean anything. I want to ask him, like you said, where did that come from? Where did they go? What happened to what happened to Carrie Lake and all this, you know? And so I was thinking about that. We're going to have to diversify. We're going to have to wake up and get the early vote and do things. But then we don't know who's leading the party now. So I don't know. Well, I think that the other problem is it's the same problem is that, that, you know, we've been arguing with the with party leadership since the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. Again, because you have the same tired old strategies. And the idea is that again, you 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 uh, target your base and then mm-hmm. try to add a little little to that, right? And they don't do anything to go outside that, uh, it, because everybody that's advising you and guy, people who've been in the party long enough, they do this uh, vote to dollar sort of ratio analysis. Yeah, right. if it if going to a certain place and and targeting a certain group won't produce enough enough votes for the amount of dollars it took to do that, they ignore that. Oh yeah, and, and one of I mean the proof in the pudding was was a Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump went where most Republicans would never go. Like mm-hmm. he went into Chicago, inner city Chicago, Amen, and yeah. and spoke plainly to the people there. Right, yeah. most Republicans won't do that. It's like you know those are votes that they automatically just give up to Democrats. And rather mm-hmm. than saying okay, let's talk about the real issues, the problem is they allow the media and the the, the talking heads and the the, the activists to define what the issues are, yes. and then they talk mm-hmm. about that. There's an office within the the the, 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 the Congress and in inside the building, from both sides of both sides both parties, where they produce talking points. Right. If they go out and they test certain things and they they produce, and then everybody stays on message, the same talking points. Doesn't matter if it's relevant to the vast majority of the public or not. It's mm-hmm. so that if I go in, if if even when I campaign. I went to inner city Milwaukee and went to Racine and everybody said, you know, you're not going to get any votes there. 
Well, let's. How about this? How about we go there and tell them why it's stupid to vote for Democrats and why <laughs> why these policies are much more much more uh, beneficial to you? But yeah. it's like, okay, you can't get votes there. Okay, then why do they have all these weird black folks show up at my campaign events? Yeah, because they were hearing stuff that no one told them. Because again, I don't care what the the problem was. I don't care what the party analysts say. I should talk about exactly. I want. I'm in touch with everyday people. Let's talk about what was there was important to them. And if you do, they'll they'll come out. But you got to get got to get through all the all the media spin, all the garbage that get dumped on constantly. And the only way you get through that is you go to where they are and talk to them. Well, I'm going to say one last thing. You are a light in that, Ron. That was a light what you did, brother. And the, the thing that I'm thinking is when you look at Obama and what they did also, they went in and South Philadelphia, what we read about in Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. they went out to the housing complexes, yeah. the places where people basically were politically uninvolved at all. Yes. They yes. went in, sold them on their point, told yes. them they're going to take away your free stuff yes. and you're going to be in big trouble. And that's right. But you yeah. went in, you told the truth, and they said this is the real deal. Yeah. I don't know where we go from this. I'm sorry, I'm done. But that's yeah, good <laughs> well, point. Well, let me say one one other thing, right? I think yeah. that uh, the other the other overarching issue here is, um, and I'll say it. It's going to sound radical, but I'll say it anyway, right? Because I I sincerely believe that as long as you have mail in ballots and mm-hmm. advanced yeah. voting, and and also the electronic voting, we will never ever have another fair, fair uh solid election again ever ever mm-hmm. it's ever going to happen and, that, and right. no matter how many how many times you say it people don't believe it you can't right. there, you cannot secure that kind of election it's always open to i mean fraud with all kinds of fraud and mm-hmm. nevada and arizona they're not just late counting votes just by accident if exactly. you notice georgia nevada and, and arizona voting is late counting is late why Three different times, I mean, two different time zones. You would think, okay, Georgia's got there before Arizona, but why? Because let's just see what everybody's comes there. This is what numbers look like. Okay, now, how many more votes do we need to overcome exactly, the number? Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's all overnight. Right. It always right. happens at night. Exactly. For eight hours. Right. Like in the right? So they have a camera that's filming the counting going on. Yes. Wow. That's nice. And the response was, yeah, it happened. We'll, we'll make sure it doesn't ever happen again. Right. Like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> well, I, had a, I have a friend, uh, well, an acquaintance rather than Arizona. She was frustrated. She called. She's frustrated because to get to the polls, they were supposed to be open at one time. It was open an hour somewhat later. And then, you know, the, the, the reason they gave the, the poll workers gave them why they weren't open earlier, it says, well, we can't get the, the uh, we don't have the right code to get the, the machines connected. That's and, and so I'm asking, what are you connecting the machines to, for? What, to exactly. what? To what? And, and it never, it, it goes right overhead. Why does the machine have to be connected? Well, well, I mean, they have, they have to be connected to the, to the, to the main, main district. I'm going through what means and by for what purpose. You exactly. have machines in the, in the building. You have the counter in the building. Why does it need to be connected? It's, but she never got it. It's fraud. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's just yeah. Well, several of the things that I noticed were just a fundamental difference in the approach. The the Democrats are about fear. They they ran on you're going to lose democracy number one, meaning you're going to lose your power. 
That's what right. they're saying. Right. They ran on um, Medicare right towards the end. They every six weeks before you can call up. That's this is their Hail Mary. You're gonna lose Medicare and you're gonna lose Social Security. No, you're not. Yeah. No one's gonna do that right. to you. Um, you know, the the right to abortion was one of their things, which didn't end up being that high on the list for you and them. But but their fear that we're going to take things away, whereas ours are, we're going to improve the, the economy, make life better, uh, close the border, decrease crime. You know, I mean, these are benevolent things that we stand on, not trying to scare them about. You know, any of any of these people, whether right. Democratic, Republican, or Independent, we're trying to do good things for you know for people. And, and, and somehow and, the scare is bigger than the you know we're here to help. And it's like you said in the beginning, they have to think. These people have to think, and that they're not thinking. So we're going after people to think and look at the benefit. And just like you said, Tank, well, they're not thinking; they're just scared, so they do the other. I don't know. Yeah, let me think. Fear is probably the strongest motivator. Think of the the moms that have lifted cars off of babies. Is. I mean, that's strong. Yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah. wow. Anger is probably number two, but fear is it trumps. Yes, everything. It does. One one thing that I was reading that was interesting is a lot of school boards have flipped to more conservative. So there's a pattern going throughout the state for the schools. So that's good to see. Um, hopeful that maybe some changes can happen there for the kids. Keep them wholesome a little bit longer. That would be nice. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would love to hope that also, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> right, amen. Because I, well, you know, and you're right, and it's one, it is one of the good things because there, there are a number of places where that's that's happened. You have a lot of, uh, especially here in Texas, there was a huge movement around around the state here. Uh, right. just, just and not necessarily conservatives. You have this this weird mixture of both conservatives and moderates and just independents who converge together when it comes to schools and kids. Uh, it, it's one of those, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like what the what the party doesn't do. Right? They go, they focus on a particular group of folk and who they can rely on, and which again still never made sense to me. If you can rely on them, why do you have to spend so much time trying to you know convince them? Yeah, uh, get out the vote. Okay. Uh, but you have folk who have said, okay, we have a common common interest and a common uh, uh, concern, and they're children. Mm-hmm. And it, it crosses mm-hmm. all kinds of lines. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden now, you know, you're, you're threatening mama bear. <laughs> That's right. Cubs. And they, so they've come out in droves and, and started winning elections. Uh, now, there, there are three here that they lost, uh, but it was by narrow mar- margins, so. though. So it, it's, those are the kinds of things that you see happening, the kind of, Makes you feel a little bit more encouraged, but my problem with school boards, even also, uh, and I, I encourage people to run for school board, city council, things locally where you can actually make an impact. The, yes. the problem with the, the problem with schools, the schools, mm-hmm. is that they are they are not centrally controlled and and they don't centrally operate. Right, right. so either the state uh, approves material and curriculum. Uh, and then the National Teachers Association and national administrators, national counselors, they influence what materials are in schools. So even right. if you have yeah. very conscientious conservative parents you know, on a board, they don't know the material coming until someone raises issues. And they, even in the process of getting rid of material is it, a nightmare. They have layers built in. 
uh, for, here's an example here in McKinney, Texas. Uh, there, there is, there are uh, at least a couple pieces of material. And I'll see more than a couple pieces of material in the library, the school system. Now we have people who've shown examples of it, examples of stuff you can't read in a public meeting, but it's in the library of school mm-hmm. and you can't take it out of the school. The library association and the librarians and then protected by the, by a bunch of things won't take it, won't take them out. Now they can move them to certain places, but they won't re- remove them. And you go, well, wait a minute. No, these are my kids. You can't have that in a, in a library. We and the bottom line, what, what, yeah. what we don't get is they're not your kids. The school, those, exactly. those administrators and those yeah. teachers, right. educators, these are our kids. You just stay out of the way. Amen, uh, Ron. Amen. And then we were worried about Mark Twain. Very <laughs> <laughs> thin, right? Exactly. Hey, I got a spark of good news. Chew on this one. Bounce it around. Kevin Kiley won. I, Kevin I, Kiley I looked him up too. And all he he sponsored three or four school board, like we're saying, and all of them that he sponsored won conservative, strong believers in the district. We know more about that than I do, Steph, but that area. Yeah. I was watching his race too. Yeah. But so, I mean, I, I, as I said, around the country, uh, I mean, uh, conservatives made great gains. It's, I mean, you listen to the media, it's like, oh, woe is me. It, it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. yeah the, the, the red tsunami didn't happen. But yet and still, you look at the, the governor's races, right? What is it? We had uh, at least six, I think. Yeah. Uh, six six GOP, six turnovers, rather. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that hasn't happened since 2010. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, those kind of things are good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. I also saw data that. I think it's 72%, but it's over 70% of single women voted Democrat. Mm. That's a huge number. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Fear. Yeah, like, like Christine, guys were saying. Well, here's, here, here's another, uh, another one for you. So mm-hmm. if you, almost every poll, uh, a legitimate poll, right? Uh, sort of shows about 70 to 75% of all the uh, American population are opposed to abortion. But if you look at the numbers from voting, how many, it, it's, it, the numbers are staggering, the people who voted to, uh, against, uh, uh, um, voted for abortions, rather, to keep it legal. Yeah. And it, it has shocked everybody. And again, is a master, ma- I mean, it's a matter of messaging. And an outreach. You think it's that like goes you, back to yeah, what Steph and you were saying, Ron? I think that goes back to they're getting this whole sphere. I, I, w- I was told today that the GOP is a second generation conservative, and they're coming on strong. If and I don't know what they answer that. We'll have to ask him. But that, like you all were talking about, that strata of voter, like you're saying, that did because that's all they see, yeah. all they hear. Does that make sense? That's all they're seeing yeah. is that's it. So. Check it no matter what, and you don't even know. And of course, they can't change that. That's yeah. they can't change it. Yeah. So you know, if you I mean, even if you listen listen to debates and and people interviewing, right? Uh, the media is so completely skewed uh, left. Yeah. So even the way they 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 phrase and structure questions, mm-hmm. it's, it's the conservatives are always put on the defensive, right? And I, you know, I, in my opinion, most people I hear cannot defend the position well uh they do they they stumble around because the question isn't whether or not uh we should kill a baby in the womb the question yeah. is 
why are why are you opposed to a woman's right to her health or her, oh. her reproductive health? So so you would you would literally lock a, a mother in prison, uh, <laughs> a woman in prison for having an illegal health uh, health intervention or something like that. And you and you get you, yeah. yeah you get and they go well well no <laughs> they start to start stumbling all over the place. I'm yeah. sorry, but I so I I've yet to hear. Very few people who answer those questions right out and effective. They, yeah. they they stumble at it or they avoid the issue altogether. It was an issue that that was a, a good winner for Republican candidates. But if you notice throughout the entire country, they sl- quickly moved away from abortion because there there was, well, the Democrats are going to use it and it's going to be a, a good tool for them. Then why did yeah. the Democrats stop talking about it? Yeah, They stopped talking. They realize also if if we keep talking and blowing this thing up then of course so what they did was they took the issue in certain places where they where they could get wins and they distorted it and won and won the uh, won those places those uh those races it's i wonder t- what would happen if we were on and, and this is never going to happen because we're finite creatures mm-hmm. but i wonder what could happen if just once we could see this whole election in total honesty and see exactly where the american mindset and is in this nation where are we really how do we know because you correctly everything's skewed everywhere how are we going to know yeah. well again i will go back to my my <laughs> tried and true the pulpits of silence the people yeah are that's it yeah if the pulpit is the pulpit is lost and off the yeah. rest of it will be as well you you it, it's not possible but it's not uh, their job to get in politics. It's their job just to preach the gospel. I've been watching those things pop up on my computer. And I'm saying, where are you guys coming from? Yeah. Are you backing away from it or like going into it? Come on. Well, they are. That's it's, it's and again, I think uh, I, I've had the same debate with pastors constantly. You know, well, listen, we want to stick with the gospel and stay yeah. away from politics. No. So, okay. So killing babies is politics. Yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, Mutilating children is politics. How mm. about you know homosexual relationships? Is that politics? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 which part is politics? Yeah, I, they're it, stuck it, in the old testament. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can go to scripture and I can find you all those things that God has talked about. And if yeah. God, is, God says yes or no, then I have every 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 authority, every every right to say, listen, and this is what God says, and this is why he says it, and this one thing is contrary to what God says, and stop doing that. Amen. Thank <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we have to dehumanize an enemy in order to kill him, right? So same, same thing's true with, with uh, babies in some way. So I remember I was moonlighting at Mark Twain Hospital, no joke. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and this couple came in and she had some infection and they had this, nothing related to what they were there for, but they had this path report and they go, could you please read this and interpret it for us? Swear to God, this happened. I'm like, it was, a, it was, it was basically the pathology of an abortion late term. So there were, it's the right arm of a 32 week infant and the, and I, mean, I won't go through it anymore, but they were the pieces of this baby. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be the one that explains this path report to them because it's going to be real, real right, right, right away. But I had to. And they were devastated because they just didn't know the baby was that far along or 
which I think, think why the centers that have ultrasounds that show moms their babies early have an ownership to it. So they bond it and then they keep them. Mm. They do like me, give them up for adoption and then you become a trauma eater. So. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> you got I, a thought that I could see here. The wheels are turning. I was saying uh, Francis Schaefer, if you if you remember Francis Schaefer and uh, Labrie, uh, Francis Schaefer made an observation one time. He said every abortion clinic should have a sign in front of it, open by permission of the church. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. Oh. I just, I, that, you know, that, that's probably one of, one of, if I, if I'm angry about anything, I think that's one of the things I've been most angry about for 25 years hmm. or more. It's just how the church is completely, you know, sort of backed off, backed out and closed itself in. Um, you know, it, um, we watched it, you know, during the sixties, I was on all the side of the issue, but uh, we, in the sixties and seventies, it's like, the church was the sort of this dominant force in the country. Uh, now, here's a, I tell my kids this thing, right? And they cannot wrap their brains around it. I said, in Jackson, Tennessee, when I was a kid, they had a censor board. And on every, on that censor board, they always have to be a number of pastors on that board. Said, well, what's the censor board? Well, they censor what, what comes on television or radio. Mm. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, they did do that. <laughs> uh, and prominent pastors in the city, if something was going to be aired on television, or something's mm-hmm. going to happen in the city, you know, those pastors would come forward and say, absolutely not. And mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Uh, and and every time somebody ran for election, mm-hmm. they would always, always make sure that you knew he's a godly man. And there was always mm-hmm. some pastor giving testimony to how godly of a member this guy is that you, that you yeah. want to vote for him. Yeah, man. No one would run and say, well, I'm a pagan. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you if you go back to you can probably find videos of the of some interviews back in the again late 60s 70s mm-hmm. i know i remember at least two catholic priests who wore their collar they were members of congress and on yeah. top i can and i can go through and, and point to four other uh ordained pastors who were members of congress mm-hmm. it, it, it was one of those things where we're dating church, ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> the church understood you know we have a responsibility to maintain, you know, the, the godly God, God's kingdom here, and the mm-hmm. way you do that is and be involved in those those people making public policy. Why in the world she would not be involved? It just makes no sense to me. But it's yeah. but but this day and age, the mentality is completely opposite. We shouldn't be involved in that. And going, explain that one to me. Just you know, tell me, give me the rationale. It, if not have, us, who should be? <laughs> we used to have a professor, Paul, and I. He used to say. Uh, who was it? Uh, was it Harris? But uh, he used to say, uh, you know, Jesus said, turn the other cheek when it comes to standing up for truth. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, and he's straight, dry, straight guy, Craig. <laughs> he was just straight. Dang. <laughs> Though you didn't expect this. He really surprised us. He said, um, he said, well, this is what you do, boys. He said, you remember the words of Jesus? He says, you spot them two cheeks and then you beat the tar out of them. <laughs> he said, well, that's it. He said, and he said, so to speak. <laughs> so to speak. Right. <laughs> yeah, speaking. verbally. But we don't stand up anymore. I don't, no. I don't know why no. we don't stand I, up. I, I think the conundrum, having seen it at a 
church that we were, our boys were going to youth. Mm-hmm. And there was a, I'll be medically here because I can <laughs> say these things. We were equal, but not similar. Um, she was birth born assignment female, but wanted to be male two years older than her actual age. So she wanted to hang out with the youth that were two years older that were male. And so the church had now this problem, right? You, you don't want to offend people. You don't, when you're up the earth, you're going to be about attendance and, and number of baptisms and the, the, the bees, right? Um, books, baptisms and, and attendance. Um, buildings. Views, yeah. buildings. Yeah. So, so, so to walk that fine line and not be a hundred percent truth and a hundred percent love. Um, they give up on the truth and they go 100% love and go, oh, yes, Katie, be in our church and attend. We want to, you know, help. But that, that's the, if you're representing the, the conical of the Bible, yeah. then you have to abide by that and speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, I, when I do that, I say, well, look, I, I go to the, the, the adulteress that was drug out in front of all the Pharisees, you know, and Jesus mm-hmm. said, let he use cast the first stone. Who is not sin cast for stone? So, you know, I'm not here to judge. That's what I'll say. I, I, yes, the book says the truth is that's not the right thing to do. Not for me to judge. But even in that scripture, Jesus gets down and says, but you probably shouldn't do this. It's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. You know, Ron, my heart really resonates with what, what you're saying about the responsibility of the church. Um, I had a professor in a seminary, and this was, what, 50 years ago. That was a while. Uh, He said a statement that he made, uh, but I'll never forget it. He said, Baptist, and that's Joe's and my background. That's our tradition. Uh, He said, Baptists have learned well to answer the question that people were asking 50 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, and right. and I, I thought that was really penetrating because uh, we we're either I, I see, you know, and Joe and I talk about this quite a bit. It, it's almost like there's there's two huge um, juxtaposed positions. One is that we want to be culturally relevant right. uh, to the ex, to the exclusion of the truth that we we stand for. Right. OK, so you got the culturally uh, relevant on the one side and then on the other side there's there's such a uh, disconnectedness um, of of uh, coming forth with biblical answers right. uh, to the to the real questions that people are asking you know and so I thought that was you know that's pretty insightful yeah, yeah sure but you know today today you gotta be hip gotta be cool you know, right, right. Uh, yeah, you got to be uh, one of the one of the key phrases, seeker sensitive. Well, what what does that mean? You know, uh, do you become something other than what you are in order to up- attract something that you don't know what to do with? I mean, it's so it's so it's it's a real complex kind of thing and it can be really disheartening. And it takes so long. I think it takes the, it takes the church so long for the pendulum to swing you know yeah. uh and and uh we're in, we're in one of those real tra- i think i think from what i'm reading about what's going on in the local churches these days you know that they're battling those very fundamental questions you know well here we are 
uh, post-COVID, churches are down 30% from what they were before, you know. And and by the way, that was the trend before COVID hit. Before, you know, yes. uh, it yes. was in decline. Yes. So so we can look back and say, boy, COVID really killed us. Well, it wasn't COVID. No. You know, it's going on before COVID came along. Yeah. And uh, and I think it, it certainly makes less of God to say he didn't know that was coming. You know, oh, <laughs> right. surprise, COVID. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. Here comes James. That's such a good point, Paul. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That was totally. going to be a tough one for us to. You're connecting the audio, Harry. I can see you. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Jim. How you doing, hey, sir? Jim. Hey, I'm doing great. All right. Good to hear you. We don't see you yet, but it's good to hear you. <laughs> no oh, worries. yeah. I uh, I just got out of uh, class. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not probably not. I'm just sort of walking around. It's not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, hope nobody sees you walk around talking to yourself. Right. But yeah, I'm on my phone. And um, in any case, I'm sorry I'm late, but our our school chancellor was uh, one of the lecturers tonight. And he just wanted to have more to say. (laughs) We can we can hear you. We maybe you could. uh, Well, we've been talking. We'd just like you to give us uh, kind of an overview. What do you think about uh, the elections? Kind of a kind of an overview, and for time's sake, we can get an idea of your insight. A positive one to, to counteract my negative one. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, uh, when I was on before, I was uh, a little more optimistic looking at the polls, and I guess I was as surprised as anyone. But um, I, I will draw a contrast between, say, how Florida counted its votes, 22 million voters in one night, got it done. And then these other states where, for some reason, it takes them a week to count their votes. We get these little, you know, tranches of votes coming in at unexpected times. The ratchet effect seems to be that the votes favor Democrats. (laughs) And we watch this kind of slow erosion of any... Republican margins of victory until, yes. for some reason, Democrats return to power. Exactly. And I, you know, I'm okay. I'm not going to make an allegation of something going on, but I will say that this type of system tends to decrease confidence in the electoral system as a whole. Yes. yes. And the people who talk a lot about how we have to defend democracy and things like this. Well, you're not defending democracy by convincing a lot of people in this country that something's up, that something fishy's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know they have explanations for why we have these strange vote counts, but I don't find them very credible. I mean, look at, um, was it New York 22, I think, is the one that's still outstanding from New York right. State. Right. Okay, well, why is that? They've had over 95% of the votes counted for about four days now. Republicans have, uh, you know, I don't know, it's a one to 2,000 vote margin uh, that they're ahead. Well, where's the rest of the vote? Why isn't it right. being counted? What's going on? All the rest of New York State has been counted, but this one district, what's the deal? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just doesn't make sense. 
Where do you, any any other thing? We've got about 10 minutes. If you could, any other thought you'd like to get out to the people there that you think about the election, Jim? Well, I mean, I think the polls were pretty wrong. If, you know, we were being told it was going to be a very different race. And uh, I'm not exactly sure why that was, about why so many polls could be so wrong. Um, you know, you think, we, you think early voting was a problem, like the Democrats had such a big one and we never do? Yeah, early voting. Um, and well, like, for example, in Pennsylvania, where you had, what was it, uh, 60 days right. of voting going on. Uh, much of the voting took place before people saw Fetterman in action. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't know if that would have changed anybody's mind who was going to vote for him anyway, but it could at least have given the voters more information. Right. So again, that's the type of, you know, COVID inspired adaptation uh, that has stuck in our system, even though the you know pandemic is over. And increases this doubt in the electoral system mm-hmm. not to mention the ability uh to cheat if people so desire mm-hmm. right absolutely <clears throat> quick question it reminds, me a, reminds me a lot about a lot of um uh you know back when chavez uh kind of you know really got established in in uh, venezuela um you know, it, it's all of a sudden, you know, you had these weird things happening in the elections. And well, as he moved forward, people re- finally realized what, it's, what he was trying to do. The revolution, I mean, the revolution that he had spoke of uh, was actually taking place, just not the way they thought. So you have this deal where you have these inconsistencies in voting. You have this expectation because, you know, they count and have the numbers and all of a sudden it doesn't pan out. I'm. I'm just one of those people who believe that when things don't make sense and it looks like it may be cheating, chances are it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just my 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 brain the way it works. Uh, and people would be hard pressed to convince me otherwise. I I think the polling uh, was good. I I you, there were too many. Um, you know, you have some polls, some polling organizations that are very very reliable. Well, reliable track record, and then you have some that yeah, you know, sort of hit and miss. I didn't see a big, big, uh, big difference between the two. And to me, and that, that says to me, if you have liberal pollsters, you have conservative pollsters, then you have, you know, some of the folks in the middle and they're all showing the same things or close to the same things. Mm, I'm thinking something happened, you know, <laughs> at the polls that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, it, it wasn't as if somehow people just said, decided to stay at home because right. now some of the same people are reporting like, like in Arizona, yeah, what, what is it? One of the largest, uh, turnouts they've had among Republicans in how many years? So how do how do you get the results that says, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't a landslide. Yeah. I, I I just don't th- I just don't Not think it's kidding. possible having a, a free fair election ever again, as long as you have that kind of shenanigans going on with early voting and mail in ballots. It's, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, completely. You know, again, look at Florida. They they went back to the type of rules. And I know that you know, it's like they said it's Jim Crow on steroids or, you know, these kind of things. No, they went back to the rules that we had in this country for decades yes. in every state in the union, you know, just like normal voting practices, bring an ID, 
you know, vote on the spot. If you need to cast an absentee ballot, you need a reason to do it. And then they count the votes in one night and it increases the credibility and the faith that it was a fair election. And all these other kind of rules about, you know, ballot harvesting and, you know, mail-in ballots and 60 days or more to vote and you don't need an ID and you don't need a signed ballot and all this other jazz. It, 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 whether or not people use it for cheating. And I agree, if you give people a chance to cheat, they're going to cheat. That's just human nature. But Mm -hmm. it, it decreases public confidence in the validity and legitimacy of the vote. And Mm -hmm. so again, those people who are very hung up on being the partisans of defending democracy well, the very policies that they are encouraging are the ones that are hurting democracy. So they should stop it. <laughs> Where do we go from here, Jim, as the party that did uh, at GOP, if you are a Republican, anybody? I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen now between the, uh, you know, voting for the leadership or not, or waiting till December 6th, is it, with uh, the election uh, in Georgia? Well, if the Senate side is lost, then the election in Georgia only matters to the extent that it makes it goes from either keeps it a tie in the Senate or goes to a plus one for Democrats, which would be great for them. On the House side, it remains to be seen. I mean, you know, it's still a lot closer than we would have liked as, you know, those of us Republicans. And I'm still not convinced. You know, I know NBC was saying that they're going to win it and stuff. Well, let's see. Count the ballots already. We'll find out. You know, of the of the uh, eleven races that Republicans are leading in, six of them are in California, and in which, like in some cases, forty percent of the ballots have been counted yet. Mm. You know, it's ridiculous, and we'll find out what happens. But it's to me, it's not a slam dunk that. Uh, Republicans are going to take the House. I know I predicted that, but I, again, I was going on the polls that were probably right. Um, so, so we will see. But I think another thing, just and I know we have limited time, but this issue of the inter-party squabbles going into 24 election mm-hmm. and what Donald Trump is doing and this, you know, Trump-DeSantis issue or even Donald Trump attacking Glenn Youngkin, who's, you know, governor of my state. Mm. I think, I think Republicans got to get along. (laughs) It it profits nobody to engage in this kind of, you know, internecine struggle, particularly when the Republicans don't really have a lot of power in Washington anyway, hopefully they will in the house. And, you know, Donald Trump, whom I've been a supporter of since day one, um, he's he's going to knock it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is right. not helpful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the, the, the things he's been accused of and finally disproven and going on with, you know, Florida residents, et cetera. I think it's finally hit him. And he's, to me, it just seems like he's really bitter and angry. And it's, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well I, yeah, I don't understand it. I've always been with, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan's law about, you know, thou shalt not attack other Republicans. Mm-hmm. And particularly very gratuitously. I mean, why attack uh, Governor DeSantis? He's winning. Why <laughs> attack Governor Yunkin, who 
you know, Virginia is not the easiest place for a Republican. Right. <laughs> it used to be, but not these days. So why go after him? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. And I have liked the fact that the people who have been attacked aren't pushing back. You know, they're not yeah. amping up the rhetoric on their side. And I think that's a productive way to go about it. Just like calm all this down and focus on what we can get done, shaping policies going into the election and leave the other stuff for the primaries. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, Jim, if you'll hang on us one second, I've got to do a quick commercial. It's important. I've had people ask me this week, folks, you know that we run this program on donations and on your uh, love gifts. And uh, if you would like to give a love gift to help us out on this, any kind of a gift, whatever it might be, and God uses it all the same way. If you could go to bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations. This is what you'll see us on all of our sites. We're on five platforms running right this minute as I speak. So you can see right now it says donate. You hit that button. And this week, there will be five steps to show you exactly how it works if you don't have a PayPal account. Really simple. They're a little different. That's why PayPal is so good. But right there, donate. You hit that button and there'll be five things that you can do on our website right there to help you get through on that. So uh, please, please help us out if you can. God bless you. And we thank you that you tune in each week. And I've had people again this week say, Joe, how do I do this? So it's on there for you. BBSradio.com forward slash raising expectations. It'll look like that. And then hit the donation button and we will be blessed and we will be very, very thankful for what you've done. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got about three minutes here. And, and Jim has, has pulled in, jumped on us uh, we're so glad that you're with us tonight, Jim. We're glad this, the class went well. That's excellent. We really appreciate you, sir. And uh, uh, we've got like, uh, what have we got? Yeah, I got like like two minutes here. Anybody want a quick one sentence question you really wanted to ask Jim? We'll we'll get him back. Nothing. Wow, oh, boy, you're a good teacher. Yeah, right? I have a response. Yeah. <laughs> he, knows, all he, uh, he knows what we don't know. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, any final thing well, you want to leave us with, Jim? That uh, those were good uh, points. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of humbled by the way this uh, race turned out. I thought it was going to be a lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, it can't still be good. We'll have to see. Hopefully, Republicans can pull it out. You know, and get these remaining seats when the ballots are finally counted. Uh, but regardless. Uh, you know, have to have to keep moving forward and stay positive and look to the next election because uh, it will come. And there's only so much damage can be done to the country before then. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, I think that 24 is going to be a good race, no matter who the Republicans put up, because, you know, now it was one thing to run somebody who they were saying was going to be a moderate and whatnot uh, two years ago. But now people know this is what you get. And uh, so I think that looking back, people say, weren't things a lot better, you know, back in the day before this will happen? And that's That's what people are going to vote for. Absolutely. Well, Jim, we're going to call you again and and ask you to come back with us. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Ron, love you, brother. You guys, Paul, see up there. Thanks for being there. Steph, Tank, thanks. Love you guys, all of you. Audience, 
Thanks for being with us tonight. Check in with us. Keep those cards and letters and actually just hit your computer. It's easier. God bless you and keep you till we see you again next week. And Jim, keep giving them the straight truth uh, there at the IWF. We, we appreciate you. We'll be praying for you. Thanks so much on behalf of everybody. See you next week. Thank you. Raising Thank you guys. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk. Listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556. Or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you, and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.